Well, a whole bunch of people just watched Gonzaga beat a Big 12 team on a national stage while nearly every single commercial featured folks wearing Gonzaga gear, former Gonzaga players, Spike the mascot. What does all of this mean for Gonzaga's quest to join a Power 5 conference? You are Locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Great show coming your way today. We're talking about a pair of Zags in the NBA who are having ridiculous success. We're going to close out the show talking about them. We're also going to talk about all of these commercials, the brand recognition that Gonzaga has these days, what it means for conference realignment. But we're going to open talking about the Big 12 because we have continued to hear more and more rumors, escalations, conversations about Gonzaga to the Big 12. Of course, the big piece of this conversation is the Pac-12 schools, the four corner schools, as they are often referred to, which is Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado. Whether they're going to stay in the Pac-12, whether the Pac-12 is ever going to get a media deal done, what that means for the Big 12, all of that is kind of a factor here. But the latest regarding Gonzaga is this. Stuart Mandel, who's a writer at The Athletic, was speaking on a BYU radio show recently, and he said that a move for Gonzaga to the Big 12 is quoting him, inevitable. That's a pretty big statement to make. And I understand his reasoning. I certainly understand why there is this belief, this kind of momentum moving towards Gonzaga, potentially going to the Big 12. And I think that I've maintained this on this podcast. I'll say it here. I'll say it again. I think that Gonzaga is going to go to the Big 12. I think that it is going to happen. I also think that the perception of the timeline a lot of people have a lot of different views on the timeline. And I think that if it were to happen really, I think we'd be farther along the process if it were going to happen really soon. I don't get the sense that it's going to happen soon. I do think that it is going to happen. I want to make that clear. And if it happens soon, great. If we get an announcement in the next few weeks, which is what Mandel said on this radio show, he said he thinks that there's going to be an announcement that Gonzaga is planning to relocate or re- realign into the Big 12 eventually. He doesn't think that the announcement is going to you know, indicate that Gonzaga is going necessarily right away, that it's happening next year or anything like that, but he believes an announcement is coming soon. Th- that could absolutely be true. It sounds like Gonzaga and the Big 12 are in, have been in deep talks, have had these conversations. We know that that has happened. That is definitively true. Brett Yormark, the, Yormark excuse me, the commissioner of the Big 12, has said as much. We also know that the the quest to pull those four Pac-12 schools away has kind of stalled out. Doesn't mean that that's not going to happen. I don't know. Many of you who who are are mostly just dialed in on Gonzaga may not be following some of the Pac-12, Big 12 conference realignment circus that has been going on. And if you haven't been paying attention to it, it's very difficult to get fully caught up because it seems to change on a day-to-day basis. Some days there's people saying that the Pac-12 is doomed they're all going to be gone. Oregon State's going to be in the Mountain West next year, like this complete chaos. And then there's many other people who are saying the Pac-12 is fine. We're just waiting for the the, uh, media rights deal to be be announced, to be revealed. Everything's going to be okay. 
again, there's rumors, there's swirlings, there's conversations, there's, you know, people who can be trusted who are saying things, there's people who maybe cannot be trusted who are saying things, there are uh, people who are saying things mostly to preserve their, to cover their own ass, quite honestly, like that's a part of this whole deal as well. And so it's really hard to kind of sift through all those tea leaves and figure out what the heck is happening. I feel for my brothers who host Locked On Pac-12, Spencer McLaughlin, Locked On Big 12, Josh Neighbors, because they are having basically the same conversations multiple times per week, per day, sometimes on their podcasts. If you are interested in more on these conversations, absolutely check out those two shows. They are tremendous uh, content and they and they break this stuff down really well. But at the end of the day, we just don't know exactly what's happening. For me, Gonzaga is kind of caught in the middle, sort of. They are in a driver's seat in the sense that and this has kind of been the, the conversation about around Gonzaga and conference realignment for a long time lately is Gonzaga is in the driver's seat. They are, they can be picky. They can be choosy. They don't have to make a move. You're not in a situation where you feel like sitting back and remaining in the WCC is going to be extraordinarily detrimental. And I think that there, there, there may be people out there who feel that it would be who feel that the longer Gonzaga stays in the WCC, the worse it is for them. But I'm going to tell you right now, that is not how Gonzaga feels. Whether you agree with that or not is, is a different conversation, and you feel free to let me know in the comments if you would like to, but that is not how Gonzaga feels. And, and I, I've used this quote before, and I'll say it again. Gloria Navarra is the former commissioner of the WCC. She's now the commissioner at the Mountain West. Of course, Stu Jackson, we talked about him last week. He has taken over as the new commissioner for the West Coast Conference. But Gloria, before she left, one of her big quotes was she said, well, Gonzaga has proven they can go to the national championship or win a national championship from the WCC. And there is no disputing that. You could obviously point to the fact that they have not done so yet, but them losing in the final five minutes against North Carolina and them getting uh, beat quite badly uh, in the first half against Baylor, those that didn't have anything to do with the WCC. If Gonzaga had never made a Final Four, had only made like one or two Elite Eights or whatever, then I think you have a more serious conversation of, is this conference significantly holding us back? But the answer, quite honestly, is, is no, it's not. Does that mean they should not move? Not necessarily. I, I think that a move to the Big 12, if they're going to take the rest of the schools, which is a big factor here. And another thing that Mandel mentioned on this radio show with BYU was the Pac-12 is not going to guarantee right now that they can take all of Gonzaga's schools outside of men's and women's basketball. And Gonzaga, that's a non-starter for Gonzaga. And that was kind of a part of this conversation. I don't know exactly where Mandel got that information, how legitimate it is, but I have continued to maintain the belief as well that Gonzaga is not going to just relocate their basketball program. It doesn't really kind of fit with the ethos of the institution. I just can't see President uh, Thane McCullough making that kind of decision uh, or the athletic department, Chris Standiford, the AD. I don't think they're going to make a decision that negatively impacts all of their sports except for basketball. I just don't see it. And we've talked about it on this show before, but the, the option to keep the rest of the sports in the WCC and just move the basketball programs is not an option. The WCC is not going to let them do that. So the rest of the sports would end up getting housed in the big sky, in the whack, in the big West. I'm not sure where it would end up happening, but that is, it's not an option. If the Big 12 is willing to take the baseball and the soccer and tennis and, and row, all the other sports, uh, and I, again, I don't know every sport that is affiliated with the Big 12, there would probably be some sports that Gonzaga has that the Big 12 doesn't offer that they might have to make some kind of agreement with. And th those are conversations that will happen down the line if that ends up being the case. But for right now, I think we're looking at uh, 
a Big 12 that seems interested in Gonzaga, that seems interested in taking Gonzaga's all of their sports, and a, a school that certainly would benefit from moving to the WCC, or excuse me, moving away from the WCC to the Big 12. For me personally, I won't really believe that this is imminent until we start getting some level of financial figures, because the financial aspect of this is the most complicated wrinkle. Because Gonzaga is joining a football conference without a football school, they will get a different piece of the of the pie financially from the Big 12. Will it be more than they get from the WCC? Almost certainly. Otherwise, I don't think they're having these conversations. But how much more? Will it offset the extra cost of traveling? Because it's not just traveling the basketball team. It's traveling everybody. There's a lot of conversations that still need to be had. And to be clear, I say still need to be had. I don't know that they haven't been had. They might, I mean, like Gonzaga is obviously talking about this. They have run these numbers. They have figured some of this stuff out. But is the Big 12 agree with those numbers, agree with that assessment, willing to pay that amount of money? Are the member schools in the Big 12 saying, yeah, heck yeah, we're willing to give Gonzaga 40 million, 60 million, whatever amount of money that it might be to join the conference, even though they're, I mean, this is going to sound harsh, but the, the way that the Big 12 ADs are going to look at it is this is a school that's only really relevant to us from a financial perspective one month out of the year. And that's how they're going to look at it. And I, they have a point, <laughs> unfortunately. Like, you know, Gonzaga basketball, playing Baylor in December, playing Baylor in January, playing Kansas. Like, it's, it's going to be good numbers. It's going to bring in revenue, but it's not going to move the needle until March. That's just how college basketball works from a financial perspective for these institutions. So I guess this is a, a lengthy way to say that I do think Gonzaga to the Big 12 is going to happen. I just, I don't think that the timeline has been accelerated as much as maybe people think that it has, but we'll just have to see. I think Gonzaga is still in conversations with the new WCC commissioner, Stu Jackson, figuring out what, what the deal is there, what the conference might look like, whether it's beneficial for them to stay. Like they're not ruling out staying in the WCC. So going to be a, con a continued conversation. We're going to talk about the Big 12 a whole lot over the next few months uh, after the season is over, which hopefully won't be for another couple of weeks for the Zags. But uh, one of those things where we are still hearing these rumors, it does still sound like there is very heavy interest on both sides. And it's possible that we will have an announcement about Gonzaga joining a power conference, which is just an unbelievable sentence to be saying out loud. But it does sound like something that might be coming down the pipeline potentially relatively soon. All right, well, let's talk about that brand recognition because I touched on that a little bit at the beginning of the show, but we have been seeing Gonzaga everywhere during the commercials uh, throughout March Madness. I'm going to talk about what that means for the Bulldogs after a word from today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like DeMontis Sabonis to keep putting up huge numbers. We'll talk about him momentarily. Uh, maybe you want to bet on an NCAA tournament game. The Zags are, I think, two and a half point underdogs to UCLA. Maybe you want to smash that button uh, on FanDuel. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets. When you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, that is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, segment two, still, you still locked on Zags. 
And I want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. It's myself, Isaac Shade of Locked On Tar Heels. I think we are on day 19 in a row of the two of us recording a podcast. We're not taking days off. Saturdays, Sundays, content every single day in March. Check it out if you haven't yet. It's available on YouTube or wherever you get podcasts. All right, this is a conversation that I've always wanted to have on the show, and I think we might delve into it more in depth over the off season when we have a little bit more time, but Gonzaga's portrayal in the media is an interesting one. And, and I, I think brand recognition is, is vital. It's critical for the success of this school, any school that doesn't have football, that doesn't have that kind of huge revenue generating sport, the way that, you know, football programs are, you have to survive on brand recognition. Gonzaga is a small school in a small city in a small corner of the country. Those are facts. They're not, it's not slamming the school. It's not slamming the program. And those are just objective, objectionable facts. Gonzaga is their undergrad population is significantly smaller than the vast majority of power five or even power six, including the big East programs. They are located in Spokane, which I believe is the 77th biggest media market in the country. Uh, that's been a, a figure floated around a lot when, when took talking about realignment and, and stuff like that. So not even a top 75 media market in the country small school in the Pacific Northwest in the time zone that gets the least amount of attention from a national coverage perspective with sports, it not even in the biggest city in the state by a landslide in an area surrounded by, by very little from a big city perspective. And yet, and yet when you watch March madness games, every other commercial features something Gonzaga related. For those of you who are at the games, who are just listening to this, who are not watching them live, first of all, jealous. Hope you are enjoying the games. Hope you enjoyed Denver. But for those who are watching it, you know what I'm talking about. We have an AT&T commercial. They're they're basically all AT&T commercials, but we have one AT&T commercial with a player wearing, or a a person wearing a Gonzaga jersey, a a Jalen Suggs jersey, it appears, sitting on Steven Adams' shoulders. Not really sure why, but that is what is happening in the commercial, watching a basketball game on their phone. Seems like there could be a more comfortable place to do it. We also have an AT, speaking of uncomfortable places to watch a basketball game, sitting in a golf cart with Chet Holmgren seems very uncomfortable, more for him than anybody else. But yet, here we are, Chet Holmgren doing an AT&T commercial, wearing his Gonzaga jersey, watching basketball on the phone with Lily from AT&T. We got another AT&T commercial featuring Adam Morrison. Uh, It's kind of mimicking. It's a one shining moment parody commercial, mimicking some great moments in college basketball history. And because one of the great moments in college basketball history features Adam Morrison being very upset, uh, he gets to be in the commercial. Shout out to him for doing the commercial, by the way, and and being willing to to make a joke about that moment for him. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, You also have a March Madness commercial, uh, one of the series of commercials that come out every year with Charles Barkley and Samuel Jackson and Spike Lee and Kenny Smith. And, And this one features Kenny Smith having to be in the car with multiple mascots. One of the mascots in the background of that commercial is Spike. The main mascot appears to be the Louisville Cardinals. So certainly not necessarily relying on mascots for teams that are currently good since Louisville was one of the worst power five teams uh, in the history of college basketball, at least per Ken Palm's numbers. But still, Gonzaga is everywhere. They are, to use a word coined in the first segment there regarding the Big 12, they are inevitable in March, you talk about Gonzaga basketball. You and I do because we're Gonzaga fans, but so does everybody else. They are brought up. And on a day where they beat a Big 12 school, 
They beat TCU, one of the better Big 12 schools. Now, all the Big 12 schools are good. That's what makes the Big 12 such an elite basketball conference. TCU was a sixth seed. I think they finished fourth or fifth in the standings in the in the Big 12. But you know, you had Iowa State was also a sixth seed. Of course, Baylor was a three seed. Of course, Kansas was a one seed. Uh, you just had a, a Kansas State still in the tournament. They're a three seed. Texas, they're of course going to go to the SEC here soon. But they were a two seed in the tournament. They're adding Houston. They're adding Cincinnati. Uh, they're adding BYU, which is going to be a bummer for BYU from a basketball perspective. But you had a national game that everybody watched. It was a standalone game in the evening on Sunday. Gonzaga beat a BYU Big 12 school, and every commercial showed the Zags. It was Gonzaga, 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 Gonzaga. And it's fun. And I, I think it's kind of lighthearted. And I think the commercials are, I mean, they're very cheesy. And I know some people get annoyed by them, but they're just, they're supposed to be cheesy commercials. Basketball commercials during March Madness have always been cheesy. This isn't anything new, but it's interesting to try to figure out what all this means. Because I think on one hand, it could be easy to dismiss as, oh, it doesn't mean anything. But Gonzaga's brand recognition is vital. Like I said, it's vital to their success. It's vital to their argument for the big 12 because they're 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 not bringing the biggest asset you could potentially bring to conference realignment which is football they're not bringing it the big 12 is obviously prioritizing their basketball acumen and trying to build the greatest basketball conference that they can and adding houston to a conference that already has kansas and baylor makes a lot of sense houston does have a football team though not an elite football team but a football team that will compete in the big 12 that is significantly more than what Gonzaga is bringing, which is, like I said, nothing in that perspective. So for Gonzaga, they have to be able to say, we are bringing you a brand that instantly adds credibility to your conference, that adds dollar bills to your conference, which is obviously the most important thing. It's still capitalism. So that's what's driving the conversation. And so for Gonzaga, it's not they need to prove that they're going to be eyeballs on their sporting events, on their games, on their team. And when you have proven like, look, we are part of pop culture at this point. Like we're part of the culture of the game. The fabric of college basketball is woven through Gonzaga. Images of Adam Morrison from 17 years ago are commonly known images around the sport of college basketball. Jalen Suggs hitting a shot in 2021 that sent this team to a national championship is a critical piece of college basketball history of the folklore of the game. This, this matchup between Gonzaga and UCLA, two titans, two elite West Coast college basketball programs, there is a rich history. The two stories we just told both feature Gonzaga and UCLA. They also played them for an Elite Eight, I think in 2015 that it was. Um, th there's a history between these two programs. And setting up that kind of matchup is, is, a, is proof. It's a testament to the fact that this team can carry that kind of weight, can, can attract that kind of attention, can bring that kind of viability to your conference. How much has the WCC benefited? Even if it's people talking negatively about the conference, they're talking about the conference. If you're the Big 12 and you add a school that has this deep relationship with ESPN, that has been featured on ESPN documentaries before, that has been in all sorts of commercials. Their mascot is like well-known and, and off-discussed. Mark Few is instantly recognizable, as recognizable as any coach in the Big 12. And that's no knock on Bill Self or Scott Drew or any of those coaches, but he's as recognizable as all of them. I don't think that's debatable. He is. So Gonzaga's brand carries enough weight to survive in a power conference. The basketball 
skills on the floor is already there. I don't think that's debatable. Some people say, oh, they're going to struggle more in the Big 12. Yeah, it's, it's going to be harder. <laughs> I'm not going to say it's not going to be harder. Uh, they're not going to be bad in the Big 12. They're, they're going to be a good Big 12 team. Big Good Big 12 teams like lose 10 games. Gonzaga's not used to losing 10 games, but that might be what happens. And that's okay. Gonzaga might get a three seed after losing 12 games, with, or maybe not 12 games, like eight games. But like, that's okay. Because they're going to be making more money, they're going to be getting more brand recognition, and they're they're bringing something valuable to the Big Twelve. So for me, this media stuff, these goofy commercials, Spike being in commercials, Adam Morrison being in commercials, the relationship Gonzaga has with ESPN, all of this matters in a fairly significant way when looking at these conference realignment conversations. And right, I want to close out the show celebrating a pair of Zags in the NBA who are doing just incredible things, jaw-dropping things, never-before-seen things from these two players. We're going to talk about that coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zags. Switching gears, no more Big 12 talk, no more brand recognition conference realignment conversation for now. We'll come back to those topics, of course, uh, as we get towards the offseason. Like I said, hopefully a few weeks away still for the Zags. But I want to talk about a few NBA Zags because we haven't really touched about, talked about the NBA guys in a while because we've been so focused on March Madness and the NCAA tournament. But I want to take this opportunity to celebrate two players. First up, I teased him during the ad read earlier. DeMontis Sabonis has been just extraordinary. There is no other way to put it. Extraordinary. He recently took home Western Conference Player of the Week awards. That is because in the last seven games, seven games for DeMontis Sabonis, he has recorded a triple-double in four of them. Four of his last seven games, triple-double. And he missed it in his most recent game, at least as I'm recording this podcast, in his most recent game. He missed it by one assist. So he is this close to having a triple-double in five of his last seven games. His total numbers in those last seven games, for the record, 21.6 points per game, 13.7 rebounds per game, 9.3 assists per game. 22, 14, and 9 average for a two weeks worth of action. That is just ridiculous. Full season numbers, guess what? They're pretty darn good too for the overall season here. His first full year with the Sacramento Kings, mind you. He got traded last year at the deadline in that deal for Tyrese Halliburton. Halliburton has been a, a an all-star, a all NBA caliber player uh, for the Pacers. It has certainly made people think, oh, wow, this is a bad trade for the Kings, <laughs> but it's not, it's not a bad trade for the Kings, regardless of how good Tyrese Halliburton is doing. It is, it is impossible to call this trade bad for the Kings. Sabonis is putting up 19.2 points, 12 and a half boards, 7.2 assists while shooting 61.2% from the field. Here's a list of players in a full season who have averaged 19 or more points, 12 or more rebounds, seven or more assists while shooting 60 plus percent from the field. Will Chamberlain, 1996, 1966, excuse me. That is it. That is your entire list right there who have accomplished that. DeMontis Sabonis, barring a collapse at the end of the season, will reach those numbers. He will become the second player in NBA history to accomplish that. Now, there is a small caveat, Nikola Jokic, currently on an MVP trajectory for the Denver Nuggets. He's averaging 11.8 rebounds per game. That's the only reason he is short on the rest of those numbers. He might get up there, end up being in a conversation with Wilt Chamberlain and Nikola Jokic. 
I don't think it takes much away from Sabonis and his accomplishments. And I think the other reason I wanted to bring up that this was not a bad trade for the Kings, and I, and I think that discourse has has more or less died down. I, I I would imagine there are not too many Kings fans still upset about losing Tyrese Halliburton because the Kings are in second place in the Western Conference. In a Western Conference with Golden State, with the Utah Jazz, with the Denver Nuggets, with the Los Angeles Lakers, with the Los Angeles Clippers, like the Sacramento Kings are in second place in the Western Conference. The pairing of De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis has been as perfect as it could have possibly been for Sacramento. As a Blazers fan, seeing a team willing to part with a very, very good guard, knowing that the combination of their two guards wasn't working very well and they needed to make a change, and seeing it pay off, is a little disheartening because this, the the Blazers had Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum for close to a decade, or if not a full decade, and weren't willing to pull the trigger on a trade earlier in what could have potentially done something different for them. I love CJ McCollum. I love Damian Lillard. I would have hated to see them make a trade sooner, but this is what happens when you do, when you put the pieces together that fit better and it's working for Sacramento. And the big reason for that is because DeMontis Sabonis is one of the best players in the NBA. Last guy I want to talk about here is Zach Collins. For those of you who follow me on Twitter, you might have seen this tweet that I posted on uh, on Monday afternoon, but I remember having conversations about my belief that Zach Collins, after missing 18 months with an injury with the Blazers, he, he was a starter in that 1920 season after his third game. He hurt his shoulder. He missed the rest of the season. He came back in the bubble, hurt his ankle, missed the rest of that season. The entire next season, the Blazers cut him. He signed with San Antonio, missed some time with them. At that point, the conversation was Zach Collins is a bust. And I refuse to believe it because he is so young still. He left after his freshman year. He's like 24 or 25 now. And there are people who are were adamant to the point, I, this is what I said on Twitter, that somebody threatened to leave me negative reviews on the podcast because they thought that I was so incorrect in my assessment that Zach Collins is going to turn it around and still be a productive NBA player. Well, here's the deal. A, that person never left negative reviews, or if they did, they never showed up on iTunes. So shout out to that. Happy for it. In case they do, though, feel free to leave positive ones if you would like. But here's the other thing. Zach Collins has been extraordinary for the San Antonio Spurs. They traded Jakob Pertl to the Toronto Raptors. The Spurs are not contending. They are tanking. Uh, and they traded Jakob Pertl to get future assets, to get a young player, to get some picks. And they elevated Zach Collins into a starting role. This was in early February. In his 14 games as a starter for the San Antonio Spurs, Zach Collins is averaging 16 and a half points per game, eight rebounds, four assists, 1.2 steals, one block. He is shooting 42 and a half percent from three and 86% from the free throw line. In his last four games, Zach Collins is averaging 23 points per game, 8.8 rebounds, four assists, a steal, and one and a half blocks. Zach Collins is on a heater. Right now, he's playing the best basketball of his career. And it's not like he was bad earlier in the year either. Prior to February 10th, which is where he took over as a starter for Jakob Pertl. Prior to that, he was playing a smaller role as a backup center. But as a backup center, he was averaging nine and a half points, 5.7 rebounds, two and a half assists while shooting 35% from deep. That is very, very good production for a backup center. Good enough that the Spurs felt, hey, we're totally comfortable getting rid of Pertl, getting some future assets, elevating Zach Collins to that starting role, and we feel like we're going to be fine. And then what happened is he was so dang good in that role that they've rested him a few times. And in, 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 uh, NF, NFBC, or sorry, NFC Sports, uh, they do fantasy content, and they release kind of little player blurbs uh, on each player. 
they had one that said Zach Collins, and then in parentheses, they usually list the injury that a player suffered. It said Zach Collins, Victor Wembignana, is sitting out today because the Spurs literally traded their starting center in order to tank, promoted their backup center to a starting role, and then had to bench him because he was playing such good basketball that they couldn't effectively tank. That is how good Zach Collins has been this year for the San Antonio Spurs. The guy who people were mad he left his fr- after his freshman year. The, the man who missed so much time with the Blazers that they just had to cut him loose. This is what he is doing. It is an extraordinary story. It is not getting enough love by NBA pundits, by Zags fans. Maybe it's getting a lot of love in the Spurs community. I hope so, sincerely, because I am so proud and happy for him, excited for him, thrilled to see him having this success. I don't know what it means for his career going forward. I don't know whether the Spurs will trade him. I don't know if they will tank successfully enough to actually get Wembignana, in which case his playing time would certainly be impacted. It's hard to say. But right now, I'm enjoying the ride because watching Zach Collins have this level of success in the NBA is something that I was nervous I would never get to do. And I am so, so thrilled, and I hope that you are too, that we're getting to see this from him right now. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Again, don't forget to check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast if you haven't done so yet. You can find it on YouTube. You can also find Locked On Zags on YouTube. And if you're if you got 10 seconds of free time and you want to go to youtube.com, hit that big red subscribe button for both Zags and college basketball. It would be much appreciated. You can leave reviews on iTunes. You can comment on the latest YouTube videos. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Patton, CBB, all of that stuff. Way more content coming your way. We're going to talk a ton about UCLA in the next couple of days leading into Gonzaga's matchup with a Elite Eight berth on the line. For now, though, go Zags.